Hi, I'm Ben Richardson, and you're listening to the Karate Podcast, where we talk about karate, the competitive sport of Kumite, and the warrior's journey. Brought to you in association with Kumite Coach, the world's first progressive online high-definition coaching platform, created by coaches and fighters for coaches, fighters, and students of karate. Join KumiteCoach.com today and take your karate to the next level. Welcome to another episode of the Kumite Coach podcast. We're really excited today to have with us a former top competitor, founder of Quest Karate Club, founder of the British Sport Karate Federation, and current EKF Northern Region Kumite head coach, Frank Palano-sensei. So Frank, thanks so much for being here today with us. Thanks for having me, Ben. Absolute pleasure. Um, so could we just start with finding out your story about how you found karate um, and what led you into that, that sort of path? Oh, a long time ago. Uh, so it was back in 1980. Um, sort of like back then, it was sort of like the Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Lee era uh, videos and things that were coming out. And... Uh, my cousin, he he started doing karate, and um, he basically said that that's what he was doing, you know. Um, so uh, I said, I'd like to do that. I'd like to to learn if possible. Um, so we, I went down to my first karate club at the youth centre in Skipton uh, uh, under the tuition of uh, a woman called uh, Miriam Llewellyn. Um, and she was part of the UKKW, which was a, a Wado-based club. Yeah. Um, under sort of like the top Japanese instructors, Sensei Totsu Suzuki, Sensei Sakagami. Um, so um, that's where I started, basically. So I was ten year old, and, um, and 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 the journey began then. Um, it was very traditional. Um, traditional wado. Uh, I think I think karate came over in the seventies with the Japanese. Um, so um, it was still very traditional, um, where you, you you still did your basics, your kions, your katas, uh, and then um, sort of like the last ten minutes of a session, you got yeah. to do a little bit of sparring. Yeah, 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 yeah. And back in that time period were you exposed to any of the japanese instructors directly or was it very yeah. much? um back then as well it's sort of like um sensei totsu suzuki and sakagami they would probably come up to up to the yorkshire dales sort of like twice a year so we graded with them so it would be a, a, a two three day training course and then on the on the last day uh, you had your, your your grading with them and uh, there would be people from all over uh, the north of England that would, would attend. So it wouldn't just be your club. Uh, there'd be other, other students from all over uh, the north of England and maybe some from, from down south as well. Yeah. And was that very much a traditional kind of um, experience in terms of the karate over the key on the kata and a little bit of kumite? Very much so. Um, it was it was very traditional, very old school sort of like Japanese learning, um, as you as you'll probably know, you know, with uh, with going over to Japan and, and, yeah. and training over there. So it was very much like that. It was very strict, very demanding, uh, testing, 
Um, so you you had to have you had to be tough, you know, because um, they didn't really care whether you were a child or an adult back then. You know, yeah. they, they were they were teaching you something that was very precious to them. Yeah. So so it was hard work. Yeah. And so at what point did you kind of discover the competitive side of karate and, and kumite specifically? I think it, it, it was probably when when Sensei Suzuki and Sakagami came up and they, they like to, to see you fight. Um, yeah. So, and again, because you were getting people from all over, all over the country, you know, they, they wanted to see you. So where probably now in a grading, you would probably spar one or two rounds for maybe a minute. Back then, you would spar quite a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it was tough. It was like you said, there were no gloves, no pads or anything. It yeah, was yeah. just, let's, let's go. And, and, and I think if you impressed them, they, they pulled you up more to, yeah. to fight other people. Um, so that's probably where my introduction for karate came. Uh, because like I said, we were very much a traditional club um, where a lot of people preferred the kata side and the, and the kion side rather than the kumite. Yeah, yeah, sure. And how did you start then to compete, you know, on a, on a bigger scale? Um, so again, back then, obviously, there was no internet or anything like that. So you got, you got entry, competition entry forms through the post. So my yeah. sensei, would, uh, she would get the forms and then she would basically say, look, who's interested? Um, and, and that's basically how it worked. Um, like I said, she was, she was more traditional kata and so on. So when I took an interest in kumite, um, she was, she basically, you know, quite honestly with me said, look, um, I'm quite basic when it comes to kumite. I can give you the basics, but for you to, if that's where you want to go, um, you're going to have to go and seek, you know, other, other coaches, other, other senseis to be able to give you the, the things that you need. Yeah. Um, so, um, so she gave me her blessing. That, that was, um, I was probably about, back then I was probably about 14, 15. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so that's what I did. Um, and, and, and to bless her, you know, she's no longer with us sadly, but, um, she, she used to get fighters, you know, coaching fighters, like someone like, you know, like, uh, a guy called, uh, Sensei Richie Noblet from down in Wales. Mm -hmm. He had a, a, a great fighting club down there. They used to come up with it, his fighters. So I learned quite a lot from them. Uh, and we used to go down there as well, you know, to, to learn. Um, she used to get people like uh, Jeff Thompson, um, you know, who's back then as well, you know, world champion, yeah. Pat McKay, um, you know, and, and people like that, uh, you know, Janice Argyle. Um, so they, she, she, she tried to give her students best, best groundings that she possibly can, depending on what, what they wanted to do. Fantastic. Um, and so as you moved into that competition sort of side of your karate, um, was it very much yourself finding coaches or did, did you have someone that kind of took you under their wing? Uh, to help you in those uh, I, just, I went to a number of coaches, um, you know, and like I said, I used to go down to Wales um, and, and places like that, or, you know, 
and then when they used to come over to us. So it wasn't it wasn't that I were working with one specific coach or um, it was just if there's a seminar on or, or something like that, let's get to it. Let's try and, you know, learn from, from that. So, you know, back then I couldn't drive. So one of my training partners who were a little bit older, he used to drive me down to these seminars and so I could just attend. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we did it that way, really, and then brought back what we'd learned and developed it to suit me um, and put me on, uh, put a lot of my own work in. Yeah. You know, outside of, outside the norm, you know, outside your normal class where you train Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, um, in between or after or, you know, before you, you do your own sort of like training um, to try and improve as a fighter. Yes, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, Matt, Matt Price Centre has been on before and he's, he's talked about the value of good training partners. Would, did you have a particular training partner or did that just change over time as you, you know, moved Yeah, on? it changed over time. Um, so, like, um, back then, it, you had a lot more adults and children doing karate. Yeah. Um, so and and um, and some of them were, you know, hard men and women, you know. Um, so uh, it was it was in, it was important um, that you trained. I always I always believed that to improve, you always had to train with somebody bigger, stronger, faster to, to be able to to improve to take that next step. Yeah. Um, you know, not not take the easy options. Um, so. That was important, and that's and and to be fair, so probably one of my first competitions were around about sixteen, properly, you know, a, a decent level. Um, and at sixteen, you were you were classed as a senior. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it, 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 there was no point really tra training with the younger kids. You had to train with the adults. Yeah, yeah. And take a few knocks. Yeah, but <laughs> um, so was competition something you found you were successful at off the bat, or is, did you slowly, uh, you know, pick up the uh, places and then the medals over time? It was it was mainly over time. I, I can remember the I think the first competition I did was I think that was Newcastle Open. I think it was, um, and um, I entered that and. Uh, I remember in the first round, um, I got hit quite hard. And like I said, it was back then, it was no gloves or those white cotton glove things yeah. that they used to have on. And uh, I remember getting hit. Um, and the the guy that I was fighting, because bearing in mind, he was a lot older than me, he, he turned around and said, welcome to the seniors. <laughs> You know, I can remember that <laughs> very clear. Um, it was it was a tough, and it was a bit. It was a it was a, a big shock to the system, a big shock, um, because wow, you know, as a sixteen year old kid, really still a kid, um, uh, you know, a big man, sort of like hitting yeah. you the way that he did. It was like a big shock, but it 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 helped. Um, it helped a lot and for so for competitions it started off very slowly again it was more to do with the cop but it was I think as well back then 
it was very much more a level playing field. Right. Because um, people were still, they, they weren't specifically training just in Kumite. They were, so, you know, they were still doing the, the traditional side. And, and, and uh, so it was, it was more of a level playing field yeah. for, for the, the fighters back then. Um, yeah. in, in the 80s mid 80s and then as you as you progressed through that first part of your competition career do you remember what your goals were um, as a fighter back then it was more when I was younger it was more to do with especially the first sort of like two three years it was more to do with let's learn that's you know don't don't put pressure on yourself don't go out there and thinking that you have to win you know um and i always you know i were always told if you put the work in and you train hard and, and the rewards will come yeah yeah it's just you know keep 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 doing it so like i said it's not like we, we used to use it was it was when you found out what competitions there were around um and then it'd be two or three of you would just jump in a car and go, you know, and, 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 and then, um, and then eventually it sort of like started clicking together. It started, you know, sort of like you'd go to one competition and, and you'd get through two or three rounds and you think, well, that's better than what, what happened before. Bearing in mind that you're training yourself, you, you're not uh, in with anybody. Uh, and then, things started coming together a little bit more and, and, and then you started winning a little bit more, you know? Um, but it was always, don't put pressure on yourself, enjoy what you're doing and hopefully the rewards will come at a later stage. Yeah, that's great. I know as a, as a fighter myself, I, um, I spent a lot of time putting pressure on myself, not enjoying mm. competition. Uh, and then once I started to train under Matt Sensei at the back end of my career, I managed to switch that mindset to one of enjoyment, less pressure, not demanding stuff, but again, having more of a learning mentality. And that, that for me made a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See, I was the opposite because obviously I, I stopped fighting at a certain age and then I came back later, you know, and, 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 and did the veteran sections and stuff, you know, things like that. And I felt a bit more pressure coming back. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I did at the beginning, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, you know, we, we like I say, we we just jump in a car, two or three of us, and, and and just go to these competitions. A lot of them were up north. A lot of them, sort of like as well, could be Wado based ones as well. A bit, you know, like with, with yeah. JKS, you know, you have your own. Um, so um, or it would be sort of like inter club competitions back then where people would arrange competitions between clubs yeah um, and, and so on so it was it was good but it was hard as well very hard yeah uh, so just tell us a bit more about you know that you've obviously said you had two phases to your competitive career one in the veterans and you've got the earlier one mm. uh, where did that earlier uh career lead you to as like a, a pinnacle for yourself there a lot of open competitions um i never it was back then as well in the 80s if you if you know if people know the karate history and whatever it was it was 
big time for English karate. You know, we had a lot of, of top fighters, you know, um, and, and, and so on. So it was it was always very difficult to try and get into sort of like the the England setup and, and, and things like that. I think the first people that really from the north that got into the England setup was probably Sensei Paul Newby and, and Craig Burke and Kane Cannon and, and, and people like that. Uh, so prior to that, very I don't think anybody really uh, from the north got in. So you just looked after. So that wasn't a, a big driving force for me. So it was just looking at the competitions up north, sort of like your, your Newcastle Opens, your, you know, your Sunderland Opens, and, and play, you know places like Darwin, Blackburn, um, and, and places like that. So you know there were still good competitions, tough competitions. Yeah. Um, a lot of open competitions, so you open weight as well. Um, so the, you know, I placed quite well in a lot of them. Yeah. In me sort of like sort of like between eighteen and twenty one, I did quite well. Um, and then following that, around about twenty one ish, I started falling out with it, falling out with the competitions, um, because sometimes there's a little bit of bias decisions yeah and bearing in mind back then as well it was mirror refereeing you, you right. know uh, so uh, so i think 21 22 i i switched formats i i went into uh, freestyle karate right you know so with a little bit more razzmatazz you know where they wore different colored geese and yeah you know and uh, and things like that so i did that for a few years um and again, um, did okay with that, you know, um, medals in quite a few. Um, again, a lot of them around the northern area. Um, and, and, and so, it, but it gave me a different, a different side to the traditional karate. Yeah. And was the rule set very different for the freestyles? Yes. Yeah, very different. Um, a lot more continuous. Okay. Uh, still points, but it would be... You know, if you scored a point, one point, boom, you were at it again. It's so, so it, it's not. It was very, very much continuous. Yeah. You know, but certainly an eye opener, and again, a different, a, a different kettle of fish com yeah. compared to the to what I was used to at traditional. Sure. And did that did that experience impact on your uh, knowledge as a coach? Yeah, um, because you could you could you could tap into you know your traditional side uh, and then uh, into your into your, the freestyle side of things you know so and again you know um, I, I love the fighting game whether it's karate freestyle karate boxing and whatever so I learned how you know to do the boxing side as well you know which helped me with my freestyle yeah um, and, and so on so. Um, it helps massively in movement and, and technique and everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you've been a, a competitor. Were you what? At what stage did you start to coach, and and then how did that lead to your you starting your club? Oh, that was. Um, I, I I think once I turned eighteen, I started coaching. I, I had my own club at eighteen. Right. Um, and really? I, so um, I was pressed into doing that, um, and, and which was good because I think as a coach, 
if your karate is not good, yeah, you know, uh, it can you can you can see it because your students so I had two or three clubs by the time I was probably what twenty two, um, um, and then. Like I said, at that time I, I moved into the freestyle. So I gave up my clubs and gave them away to to my students, my senior students to take over. Yeah. Still, I still got involved at gradings and things and, and now and again going and doing sort of like courses and so on. Um, and then, uh, so I didn't have a club for quite a lot of years after that because then the family came and started, you know, kids yeah. came and so on. So, and then I bumped into... Uh, I bumped into Sensei Paul Newby um, one day and uh, he basically asked me if I was still doing martial arts and, and so on. And uh, and the conversation, he, he basically said that he'd, he'd just opened uh, a centre, the Olympic Dream, and uh, would I be interested in joining him? You know, he basically said, look, would you, you know, think about coming and and training down there and, and doing a little bit of coaching and, and, and so on. Um, because he said he thought I had something to offer his students, you know. So uh, so that's how it, that's how I got back into coaching properly, really. Um, and and I've not looked back since really. Yeah. And did uh, did Quest come uh, from being involved with that Olympic dream center? Yeah. It was it, again. It, again, it was Paul that encouraged me to uh, to you know to to open a club because um, obviously, as you're aware, that we work closely together. Yeah. Uh, and he, and uh, he basically said, "Look, you know, it'd be a shame if you didn't open a club again." Yeah. Um, so, 2013, um, I decided to open a club in Skipton, and uh, and. It's gone from strength to strength, really. Fantastic. Um, and then you've also founded the British Sport Karate Federation. Yeah. Could you tell us a bit about how that came about? Uh, it just came about as a, a conversation, really. You know, we we, we were part of a, a number, a, a couple of um, associations, and then we we they were they were leading more down the the, the cutter side. Yeah, uh, and we were basically at that. We were now sort of like just kumite. We weren't doing uh, katas or, or basics, the traditional basics. So um, we had a Paul and I had a bit of a conversation over a number of years, well, a couple of years, and then one year we just turned around and said, "Let's do it. Let's just do it now." Yeah, um, and uh, and that's what we did. We we, we we looked into it. We uh, did his homework and, and, and whatever. A lot of conversations, um, and 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 British Sport Karate Federation was born. Really, um, we had, you know, we had, we've got the students. We've got, you know, some great coaches um, who have joined us. Um, so so we've got, you know, Tom Hickman, um, yeah. junior world champion. He's part of our. Uh, our team. Um, we had Pete Watson from uh, Liverpool. Yeah. With uh, Liverpool um, Karate Academy. Mm -hmm. So yeah. they joined us. Great. So, uh, you know, 
our aim is uh, with within BS, BSKF, it's more to do with the standard rather than the numbers. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, BSKF was was established in 2018. So we're we'll be coming up to two years old, but right. <laughs> one of those years uh, you can scrap yeah. really. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough, tough year last year. Um, so I presume, like you said, the aim of that association is to help raise the standard of committee, uh, specifically, um, you know, to push British karate in that field back up to those days, you know, that you experienced in the eighties and the early nineties. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's making it accessible to everybody. Yeah, from grassroots up to your international fights, but also because obviously with Paul being the level that he was, uh, the level that I was, and whatever, it, it we know what what these kids and, and these students require. Yeah. So it's giving them that opportunity. You know, it's like giving like giving them a, a a good foundation to try and achieve what they what they want to achieve, you know, and, but also not powder coat it, you know, let them know that it's hard. It's, if you want to get to that, you know, to that level, it's, it's, it's very hard. Um, and, but like I say, it's given them the foundation. It's given them the, the, um, tools, the, the training partners, the equipment mm. mindset, you know, so that's that's the aim, and giving them, the, you know, world class tuition, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things, uh, actually, let's let's stay on that. So, um, we've obviously got committee coach as a, a platform, which mm. uh, Paul Newby uh, is part of. Uh, and again, our aim is, I guess, quite similar to your own in terms of just providing another access point toward uh, supporting people's training, maybe from a traditional club where they can't get access to coaches like yourself. Because it's, it's, you know, they're in the south, you're in the north, etc. Um, do you have any views on online training and its use in terms of athlete development? I think, I think it's good. Um, I think it's, it's, it's like you say, it's a different tool. Um, but I also, I'm a big believer that you can learn things online, but I'm also a big believer that you need to be there in person, yeah. you know, within, within a group. Um, so, you know, you can learn things online and, and practice it and, 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 and then, but then also take it back to your club. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. take it back to your club um, and 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 try it. You know, uh, it's it's the thing is as well. What people have got to realise and, and understand is, if you learn something, or you see something, and you or you watch something, you you've got to take it, develop develop it for you to suit your style because not everybody's the same. Yes, uh, and then and then practice it, practice and practice, 
and then take it back to your club and then practice it and practice it and practice it. Because sometimes as well is you might do a technique and you practice it, but do, will it actually work in competition for that individual? Yeah. Yeah, and until, until you actually practice it in your club over a number of months, yeah, and then say, right, at this competition, I've been practicing this, I'm going to try it in that round to see if, if, I, can, if I can execute it in the way that I've been practicing it. Yes. Uh, so, so, you know, the Kumite coach is a great tool for people, but it's not, they can't just rely on that. They've got to take it back to their club. Absolutely. No, I 100% agree with you. We've got to um, put it into real time. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned it there. It's, it's about that level of practice. And uh, do you feel that uh, a lot of clubs um, or maybe just fighters in general don't spend enough time on the development of stuff they feel could work for them? Um, and and so they're, they're maybe looking at YouTube, for example, looking at committee coach, taking some techniques, but again, it's like, oh, I've practiced it at my club a couple of times. It didn't work in competition. I'll chuck it in the bin. Yeah, you know. totally right that, yeah. Um, you know, there's certain things that you practice over a number of years. You know, you think about how many times you've practiced a Gakazuki. Yeah. Yeah, so it becomes second. So it becomes, you know, you don't even have to think about it. You know, so you've got to have that mentality of, you know, you practice. If, someone, if your sensei tells you to throw a gak, you throw a gak and you, you don't even think about it. That's how your fighting techniques need to be. It needs to become second nature to you. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and you can only get that if you do repetition. Yes. You know, so it's, it's that repetition, repetition, repetition. So it becomes part of your, part of your arsenal of techniques. For when and then once you've got that and you feel comfortable with that, then you take it to competition. Yeah. And I always say as well, express yourself in competition. Yeah. You know, uh, try and be different. Try and try and you know try things. If it doesn't work, then okay, back to your drawing board and and but at least try something. Try and be different. Try and be different to everybody else because sometimes being different can can win you competitions yeah definitely yeah i think a lot of people hang on to that i must get through that round i must get yeah, there certain competitions that you can do probably now um you, you can probably do that you can turn around and say right because again now it's a lot a little bit easier because you've got the calendar for the year yeah, yeah. so you know when the british championships are you know when the english championships are and so on you know and and so what you, you, you can do is during that calendar, you can turn around and say, well, I need to be ready for the English and the British, but these other, the, the smaller ones that we might attend, they're, they're, I'm not bothered if I don't win them or place in them. I want to try these techniques out. I want to see if this works. Yeah, that's a great you perspective, know? yeah. So, so that's, that's what I try and encourage our fighters to do um, is, but you need to be ready for the British. You need to be ready for the English. You need to be ready for the British internationals, you know? And then yeah. if we go abroad, then you need to be ready for them. But uh, use some of these open competitions as, as testers yeah. for your techniques. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so what, 
what was the driver for you going back into competition? Uh, was it you were 38 when you did that? Was it? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Again, again, it was my uh, good friend, Mr. Sensei Paul Newby. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> he turned around and said, Frank, they do veteran sections now. <laughs> do you fancy it? <laughs> well, okay then. So uh, I oomed it on about it and he says, go on, give it a go. So that's how I got back into the veteran sections, really. It was. Uh, pushed on me a little bit um, and, and to be fair it was good you know it, it was good to get back out there um, and I did well you know I, I medaled at the British medal the English British internationals so um, and I think when I went I don't know it, the veterans sort of like at that time as well brought a lot of the old guys back yeah you know you, you sort of like you had your Tony Grays and, and, and Mark Holdens and, and you know people like that so it was a, it was tough, as you will know, sort of like the veteran section could be a tough section. <laughs> yeah, <I can. laughs> so, uh, so I did that for a what, good five years, I think I did that. Um, and then again, um, I just, I think I just decided, I thought, I need a constant, I'll find it hard, because obviously the veteran sections were always at the end. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So... <laughs> I found I found it quite hard, sort of like coaching all day, and running around, you know, coaching the athletes, uh, and then having to prepare myself at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So um, I just thought that at that point, I just thought, no, I need to now. I need to concentrate on. I've had my time. Um, did you find going back into competition? Did that impact your uh, coaching, as in terms of how you? developed your coaching at that time period not really because i was still because what i was doing i was i was still i was up well up to this lockdown i was still training sort of like over at sensei paul's you know with his with his international fighters yeah you know so um i was still keeping sharp with them and and, and whatever but then i was still doing my clubs uh two three times a week and then obviously coaching at the ekf regionals as well um so i was still getting my training in um, to, to be able to, to do both. Yeah. It just, I think, it, I think what it came to the point where once I got to, I think it was like 45, I just thought, no, now I really need to concentrate on, on the younger end and, yeah. and, and get them to where they want to get to. Yeah. Did that second time in competition teach you anything, um, that you added into what you were teaching, uh, the other fighters? Movement. Movement was a big thing. Yeah. Um, not, you know, sort of like back again in the, in the eighties, um, early nineties, uh, again, it was, it was very much in front, you know, sort of like bouncing in front of somebody and whatever. Um, when I came, it was more to do with movement, making sure that you, 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 you brought the line and, and stuff. And again, that was mainly forced, you know, sort of like through Sensei Paul was, that was one of his biggest strengths when he were a fighter. So that's what we focused our fighters on, you know, of being good at the movement, you know, throwing techniques at different angles and so on. So um, it was, again, you know, you teach something, but you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to do it. Yeah. And how do you know if you can do it? You can't, you can do it if you don't try it in a competition. Yeah. So it was, it was, well, 
and that, and that and that's that's how I teach. You know, it's like I teach things, but I also can back it up because I've done it. You know, and and and, so, and like I said, some, just because something worked for me doesn't necessarily mean it will work for somebody else. But sure. give them it. Give them give them something that they can put in the toolbox. Yeah, and then if they if they like something, then work it, practice it, practice it, practice it, and then try it. You know, and and. And then if it does work, then that's great. You know, you've got something else then. Yeah, absolutely. So that's um, what I did the veterans for mainly was to try things and, and, and see if you could, you know, if things worked. Yeah, that, yeah, that's great. Um, so you've been a fighter a couple of times. You've been a coach for a long time. Uh, have you got highlights as a coach that, you know, to date that you think, you know, that was great. I'm glad. I'm proud of that, um, that situation, that event. Yeah, well, there's as a coach, there's, there's, I probably, I've, I've probably got more enjoyment of being, you know, out of karate as a coach than I did as a, probably as a fighter. You, you forget a lot of things as a fighter and, 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 and whatever, but as a coach, um, we, you know, we've had a lot of, a lot of students, you know, bearing in mind we're only a small place in, in North Yorkshire, you know, in the Yorkshire Dales, who, who have got to inter international level yeah. um, and fought at European and Worlds, uh, even even now. Um, I think we've probably got about seven that are, that are in the England squad. Um, the grassroots, the kids, you know, who have, who have been with us since they were sort of like five years old, now they're in the teens and, and seeing them develop as, into fighters. Yeah, um, has has been pleasing. Um, and, I, and like I say, them winning medals probably a lot mean a lot more than when I won them. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, and 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 we give them the, the best opportunity that they can have. Um, I think I don't think the athletes of today are as tough mentally or as physically um, yeah. than probably what we were back then um, but you know there's some great we've got some great athletes now you know some some good ones uh, it's just sadly that it's not all on a level playing field you know sort of like with funding and stuff like that you know yeah. but obviously as well with funding sometimes you've got to be careful what you wish for you know, because when people are giving you money to do things, they expect results. You know, so. yeah, yeah. So, but no, it's it's good to see the the the, the young crop coming through now, and hopefully, my my biggest wish for them is I'm hoping because you know we, we all do it. Um, we talk about the '80s, we talk about the '90s, and, and, and early 2000s, but I'm hoping. My biggest wish would be some, you know, for people to the current crop, you know, and we've got one, well, we've got a few, you know, like with Joe Calloway and and, and Jordan Thomas and, and, and you know, um, well, I'm hoping that somebody can make that the new history, yeah. So we don't have to keep looking back. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um. So, just to finish off. Uh, Sensei, what's your what's your vision as a coach for things to come? Obviously, you, you've got Quest, you've got 
um, the British Sport Karate Federation, your head coach for Northern Region EKF. Um, but I'm sure all of your vision aligns into one kind of focus. Um, yeah, um, it, it's 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 trying to help English karate get back to the top. Yeah, trying to help you know everybody. And you know, and I don't. I'm you know, and Paul's exactly the same within BSKF. Is we we're open to help anybody. If somebody wants our help, or you know. And they want to come and train with us or anything like that then you know we're there we we're we we do not we're not interested in politics we just want to do karate we just want to get people out on the mats we want if we can help somebody achieve their goal whatever that might be you know not everybody's going to be a world champion not everybody's going to be a european champion yeah but if we can make that individual the best that they can be that's all we're asking for you know and and keeping it enjoyable fun for everybody um but what people have got i always this is one thing i do say to the, all the fighters that train you know that train have it in your head that you are number one yeah believe that you are number one but train as if as if you're number two yeah That's stay great. hungry stay humble yeah and 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 keep working hard that's all that's all we ask from people fantastic fantastic um it's been a pleasure talking to you thanks so much for being on the podcast i wish you know the very best for your association and club um you know it's great to know there's people like you in in british karate helping people achieve everything they can uh yeah so all the best and i hope next year we we can meet on the uh on the competition circuit again that'd be great well, thanks for asking me to do this, Ben. It's uh, it's been a privilege. Um, and Absolute pleasure. Best of luck for the you know Kumite coach. It's a Thank great you. platform. Um, and you've got some great people. You know some good coaches. You know the best coaches because with uh, Sensei Matt and, and Paul. So uh, look forward to seeing you all in uh, 2021. Yeah, indeed. Us. Okay. Thanks very much. Take care. Thank Cheers. you. Bye. Nice. Bye.